All right, welcome back to Awakening Innovations podcast. I am your host, Michael Barnes, and today I'm here with Janet Mohappy Banks, and we're gonna have a great conversation today. Um, she has a, a fantastic story. Uh, I love that she was an international, or she's a, she is an international best-selling author, um, and she was an award-winning luxury cake designer. Um, and at some point she went through some, some things in life and learned kind of the opposite of what many people learn. She learned that life is fantastic. And we're going to be talking about that today. So uh, get your, your happy hats out and, uh, and let's get going. So Janet, can you start out by telling us a little bit about you? Yeah. Hi, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's an honor to be here. Um, yeah, like you said, I'm currently an international best-selling author, speaker, and I'm a superhero coach for, so, uh, for Conscious Awakening. Um, my background is that of a luxury cake designer, as you say. Um, before that, I was a computer programmer. I've got a first-class degree in computer science. So I've got both the, the scientific mind and the artistic mind, which is um, quite cool. Um, I currently live in Cornwall, UK, with my two children, one dog and one cat. <laughs> Oh, nice, nice. And th that's very cool. Actually, I have a little dog over on the couch who will occasionally speak up and say hi during these. So, so. Yeah. So if mine does as well, then apologies on his behalf. <laughs> <laughs> very good. So, um, yeah, as, as we were saying, um, you are now a superhero coach and um, as I mentioned, you went through some challenges and have come out the other side realizing that life is a really good thing. So tell us a little bit, you know, briefly what you went through and, and how did you come to this conclusion? Yeah, so back in the day, um, about 18 months um, after winning a prestigious business award, um, I suddenly started throwing up. Um, I was a luxury cake designer. I was getting... Um, you know, I made cakes for people getting married at the Ritz Hotel in Mayfair, London, mm -hmm. Connaught Hotel. So nice. basically all of Mayfair. I was, I was on the books of all of Mayfair and some of the, the most prestigious uh, wedding, wedding planners and event planners in the country. Um, I was on wedding TV. I was in all the magazines. You know, I was exactly where I wanted to be. And I got there really easily. Hmm. But... As soon as I got there, or pretty soon after I got there, I, I just self-doubt sunk mm. in, you know, like all these little <laughs> seeds of doubt were placed into me. Um, and I started believing it, you know, like who on earth am I to be here? You know, here I am at the top of my profession and I've never had a single pastry chefing class ever. You know, I was completely untrained. Like I say, I just followed my joy. I followed my intuition. And that is exactly how I built my business up. But as soon as I got there, well, like I say, not as soon, but, you know, pretty soon after sure. I got there, seeds of doubt were planted by me and society and my ex-husband at the time and, yeah. and a beautiful, beautiful journalist um, from, you know, a prestigious uh, luxury magazine um, interviewed me and she sort of marveled at the fact that I was where I was. Right. Um, and that was like, oh, it was just food and water onto this doubt of, you know, this imposter syndrome of yeah. how on earth did I get here? How on earth did I get to be where I am? 
Um, so yeah, one day I just started throwing up. I was going out to um, a consultation for a family whose daughter was getting married at the Savoy Hotel in London. Mm -hmm. Again, uh, you know, you know the Savoy. Everybody's sure, heard yeah. of the Savoy <laughs> Hotel. Yeah, it's an awesome place. Um, and yeah, and I just threw up down my clothes and so I had to change out of my clothes and, and it carried on like that. I was just throwing up more and more every single day. Um, and in the end, after this consultation, I realized that I just couldn't carry on with my business anymore because right. I was literally vomiting multiple times a day, every single day. And it went on for about five years. Wow. Um, and yeah, and closing a business. A say again? That would not be a good thing. No, it's, it's, it's really horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and closing a business when it is still on the rise right. is really, really hard. Really hard. Um, and it was one of the, the hardest things I think I've ever had to do. Um, you know, and so there I am. I'm lying in what is going to be my deathbed, I believe. Um, I've been, you know, through all of the tests with the, um, with the medical profession. Um, I was on experimental drugs, experimental wow. devices, um, putting energy into my vagus nerve. So um, did, I'm curious, did they give you a, a title diagnosis of some sort? Um, yes. So the original diagnosis that I had was that of gastroparesis, which okay. basically means um, a paralyzed stomach. Okay. So food was going into my stomach, but then my stomach wasn't doing anything with it. Right. Um, through further tests, they realized that there was no electrical signal going from my brain into my stomach. Mm. Um, and that's why. So, you know, like your whole body is kind of works like a computer operating system really if there if there are no instructions then your body doesn't know what to do right and that's what was happening so the messages were going you know the message wasn't getting passed from my brain into my stomach of what to do with food and water so every time i put anything into my system my stomach would just reject it because right. it was like a you know blue screen of death 404 there's nothing happening here yeah. <laughs> um and like that went on and again, eventually the, the prognosis was um, slow starvation um, to death. Right. Uh, so. And you decided um, you didn't like that. Say again? You decided you didn't like that prognosis. No, that was not a good <laughs> prognosis. But you know, I, so with that prognosis though, I got all of my affairs in order. I sorted out my will. I sorted out provision for the children. Um, my then husband left while I was waiting for brain scan results. Mm -hmm. um, so my 11 year old daughter at the time, she's 16 now, but she had to look after both me and my um, son, mm. a little brother. Um, and yeah, it was not a good time at all. Um, then because I'd kind of reached the end, reached the end of the, what medical science could offer me, um, I knew that I had to go searching for alternatives. Um, and I'm so, so thankful to have found that in the form of a chiropractor who, you know, cracked my back. Um, and on the sixth session of cracking my back, um, I had the most, it was the biggest, loudest crack you've ever heard in your life. And I don't know if you've ever had chiropractic, but it sounds like it should really hurt, yes. but it doesn't. It's fine. 
but yeah. it sounds like they're literally breaking your back in too. Um, anyway, I went to sleep that night and I woke up um, in the middle of the night with the most incredible intense pain in the side of my head and it felt like electricity going up an oak tree in winter so I could feel like a buzz going up the trunk and into the branches and into the little tiny branches at the end of those and yeah it was just the most intense pain um but the following morning I woke up pain free Mm -hmm. for the first time in over four and a half years wow yeah it was truly incredible and you know and i say to people i wish that i could bottle bottle that that feeling of not <laughs> being in pain yes because when you've lived with pain for so long not being in pain is just incredible and i'm not I'm not sure there's anything that can rival it really right so did this chiropractor think that he knew what was going on and that he could fix it at when he got started or what did that yeah, look Yeah, um, it was a she, um, Jade. Um, and yeah, she, well, as soon as I got on her table, she knew that the top of my back was really compacted. Like mm-hmm. all the vertebrae in my back was really, really compacted. Um, so she thought that my nerve might be trapped okay. in the vertebrae up there. And that, you know, and that's from years of all the stress that I was carrying, all the tension, all the overworking that I was doing, trying to prove the fact that I deserve to be at the top of my career. Yeah. I held it all in that section of my spine. And, you know, I was bent over making sugar flowers for hours and hours and hours. Um, So, you know, years of doing that and years before I was a computer programmer and again, hunched over a desk with, you know, compacting my spine. No, I'm, I'm very conscious of the fact I have to sit up. Every time I tell this story, I sit a little bit straighter. And I think other yeah. people do too. I just saw you do. <laughs> yes, exactly. Let me, let me just sit here nicely and center my head over my spine. <laughs> yeah, so she, she, you know, when she released all these vertebrae, that's what released the vagus nerve and literally gave me my life back. And she did think she knew what it was, that... I was just she, Yeah, no, when I first went to her, she said that she didn't know. She didn't know if she could help me, but mm-hmm. she would give it a go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, when I went to the chiropractor for the first time, uh, she had a variety of, of ideas as well. And she was very careful to say, you know, I can't promise anything mm-hmm. until we get going. And for me also, uh, chiropractics has helped a lot. And I, I don't go regularly anymore but when i go for instance last thursday um it does a lot for me as well so i'm yeah i'm on board with that (laughs) (laughs) absolutely i think by law chiropractors aren't allowed to say that they can make a massive difference and they probably just haven't done the clinical studies maybe yeah so yeah so what's Tell us what has happened <clears throat> since then. Well, it took, took a good, well, that was in the May that she released my spine and I had that sort of oak tree electrical headache. Um, and then the last time I vomited was August 2016. So it all happened in 2016. Nice. Um, I closed my business in 2012 because, um, you know, and it had been going on 
before then as well. So like I say, nearly five years of throwing up every day. Um, and then, yeah, I just knew, I knew that I had to share this incredible feeling, this incredible appreciation I now had of life mm -hmm. that I hadn't had before, really. I know that I hadn't really appreciated life until I thought that it had been taken away from me. Right. You know? And I think that that's what happens. I think that we all, we're all fed this story of struggle and of, you know, how, how you can never get on in life unless you work yourself into the ground. And that's what breeds burnout, right. you know? That is why people burn out because they don't believe that there is another way. But I know that I built my business through joy. I built my business through following my intuition and through um, following, yeah, just what felt good to me. Um, but, you know, like I say, then, then I let it all crumble by imposter syndrome taking over. Um, yeah. But I know that it's possible to build a, a very successful business through following your joy. And yeah. so that's what I, I'm here to remind people of that. I'm here to remind people that they really do have the personal power to create a really happy, joy-filled life. And it doesn't have to be a struggle. You don't have to work 36 hours on the trot every week like I used to. Yeah. So, so if, if somebody is, you know, either starting a business or working and is feeling, you know, I'm not following my joy or, or what exactly do you, do you look for? What is, what's the way that people can, can do this, right? Even building your first business that you built through, through joy, and following your intuition, most people have trouble doing that. Yeah. Much less the rest of life. Yeah, I think, well, you know, like in my book, Habits for Happiness, one of the things that I say is that a lot of people have forgotten what makes them happy. A lot of people don't even know anymore what's made them joyful because mm -hmm. we're programmed for what happiness is. You know, we are told that the equation of happiness is to have this particular job, that particular car, that particular house, this particular wife or husband or partner, you know, 2.4 children and a dog. Right. It's, you know, and that's the not... Dog that's does, does bring joy. <laughs> <laughs> well, my one at the moment has been crying ever since we've been on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's not bringing me much joy right now. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <Bless him. laughs> but yeah, we're, we're sort of, we're programmed with this, with this myth of what makes us happy. And we forget that actually everybody has a different happiness. Everybody has a different thing that really lights them up. So one of the things that I absolutely adore doing is singing and dancing. You know, mm -hmm. get me on a stage doing that and I'm even happier. Yeah, but wow. I know that for for an awful lot of people that sounds awful that sounds <laughs> nothing like joy you know so yeah. i think learning what is your personal personal equation of happiness work learning what energetically makes you really light up so you can actually feel the buzz you know i think yeah. that's the first step because then you can follow that you can you can monitor does this make me feel happy yes or no you know does this make me feel energized or does this make me feel depleted? And once you can work that out, then you can follow the joy. You can follow what makes you happy. You can increase the things that make you happy and decrease the, the things that make you depleted. That, that sounds absolutely fantastic. So 
how good do you think people are at telling what makes them happy? Again, I think, I think we have been numbed to that. I think we don't, an, an awful lot of people don't know what makes them happy. Right. And, and, and we, numb, we numb the dissatisfaction we feel. Instead of actually diving in and, and deciphering, okay, so why am I not feeling good? Why does there feel like this disconnect between my heart and my head, what I really want and what I've got? Where does this disconnect come from? Instead of actually exploring that, I think we are taught as a society to numb it. We numb it with food. We numb it with shopping. We numb it with buying shiny objects. We numb it with alcohol and drugs. We numb it with sugar. We, mm. ju we just numb all of the emotion. And because, again, we are taught from an early age that we have to struggle and strive, you know, um, we, we dampen down all of our emotions. We don't want to feel the sadness. We don't want to feel the misery. So we, so we numb that. But that also numbs the happiness. Great. That, that's really insightful. Um, and so, sorry, um, uh, my mind, my mind is spinning. There's so much in that. So, uh, what what can people do? I mean, I've heard people talk about feel into the feeling. You know, whether it's happy or joy or whatever. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Don't try to ignore it. Um, yeah, you know, we, we are full spectrum human beings. So we have the full range of emotions. And it's about allowing that full range of emotions into our lives. It's, it's not shying away from sadness. You're going to experience sadness, no matter how happy you are, mm -hmm. you will experience sadness. And it's that sadness, that's a nudge to go, hey, something's not quite right here. How about you choose a different thought? If you choose a different thought, feel a different emotion, then we'll nudge you back to happiness. But you can't expect to, to, you know, bounce from one place to another. You know, you, it, it usually is a little step, like a, a step, 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 mm -hmm. you know? So you think of, okay, so I'm currently thinking of something that makes me want to cry. Yeah. You know, this, this thought that I'm thinking feels really sad, depressing and down. So what's the next best thought that I can think? Something that would bring me up just a little bit. Mm. And so you think, okay, so maybe if I think this second thought, okay, that feels a little bit better. How about a third thought? Is there another thought that I can think now that makes me feel just a little bit better? Okay. And I think that when, when we try to take ourselves from, you know, misery and depression into like ecstatic joy, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. You can't turn a boat like that. It's all about the momentum. When you turn a ship, it has to turn slowly. Right. And that's, I think, what we need to do as people. And we do that by developing habits, personal habits every single day that, that just bring us a little bit closer to joy. I love that. Um, and, and I love that that's counter, counter to what a lot of other people talk about. And it, it's interesting because um, so often... I think that people lose connection of what it feels like. So, so the gurus, right? The happiness gurus who say, you know, here are your three ways to be happy and, you know, do all this kind of stuff. A lot of people who are not happy at the moment, whether it's mm -hmm. depression, going through things, you know, they think they're going to die, whatever. They're not in that moment capable of suddenly 
you know, shifting to, you know, butterflies and happy meadows or something like that. And so I love what you're talking about, which is something that I've talked about a number of times. Take a step is mm -hmm. how I would put it, right? You know, you're not going to get to the end of your journey instantly, yeah. but take a step. What is one thing closer towards where you want to be? Would that be a good way to look at what you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. About? Absolutely. It really is. And I think it really does start with appreciating just those tiny, tiny moments of joy that you have in your life. You know, like one of the things that I suggest is um, I have, well, I have gratitudes in the morning, but mm -hmm. not just write a list of five things that you're really grateful for, because that, that has no emotion in it. You know, you actually have to feel into those things really, you know, what would it feel like if you really didn't have running water, if you had to walk half a mile to, to the village well? You know, how would your life be different? And that allows you then, if you, when you go into the, the, um, the absence of, of what you have, then that allows you to appreciate more of what you have. Like I said before, I didn't really appreciate living a life without pain until I suffered with pain for, you know, nearly five years constantly. Um, so doing that, that contrast, I think really helps people. Um, but at the end of the day, I also suggest having a book of wins is what I call it. Yeah. Um, so the book of wins, it's just, okay, so what, what today just made me smile? What today brought me up just a little bit, you know? Right. And it doesn't have to be like getting a promotion or winning a lottery or something like that. It can be, well, oh my God, I had a really, really good cup of tea today. I had a really good cup of coffee. Yeah. Right. Oh, that stranger, that smile, that, that stranger smiled at me as I was walking down the road and that just lifted me for two seconds. Yeah. And when and you can really embody, oh, you know what? Maybe the world isn't quite so bad. Maybe it isn't. And when you pinpoint all these tiny, tiny sort of, you know, inconsequential moments of your day that just brightened it for a minute, just for a minute before you go to bed, then you actually fall asleep with all those happy hormones, all the oxytocin and dopamine and all of that racing through your brain as you're falling asleep. So when you wake up in the morning, that's all still there. So you're going to sleep instead of having the worry and the stress of the day that you've just had, you're going to sleep thinking, you know what, it wasn't that bad. There were these special moments in it. And you wake up with that new momentum of, you know, of, okay, so what, what am I going to find today that I can write in my book of joy tonight? Right. And then you actually go actively looking for them. And because our brains are mag magical, they're magnificent. They've got this little bit in them called the reticular activating system. And it actually goes and finds the things that you ask it to find. So if you're like, okay, what, what can I read? What bit of joy can I find today? What bit of like wonderment in the world can I find? Then your brain We'll go and search for it and go, oh, there it is. And yeah. you go, oh, fantastic. And you'll appreciate it more because you'll be more aware of it. And I think that's the problem as well. We go through our days half the time being completely unaware of the feelings that we're having, of the, the wonder um, that we're sort of walking through. You know, we don't notice. We just don't notice because we're, we're so closed in our in our momentum of misery, generally, our momentum of the struggle. We don't allow ourselves to see, to see the, you know, see the rainbows, if you like. Right. So, so you're talking about focusing, using the reticular activating system uh, to find joy. 
I think actually most people have their RAS targeted for negatives. Yeah. Yeah, they do. It's not even just neutral. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I know that, I don't know what, five or six years ago, I got rid of TV. So I don't see the the news anymore. Mm -hmm. And so that has helped to shift my reticular activating system because all that comes from that is the negatives. Yeah. Um, Fear. Fear. You know, people are programmed with fear. Absolutely. So you, you work with, with clients, is that correct? Yes, I do. And what, what do you do with them or for them? Do you go through Um, the process? Yeah. So my process is really that we, we really tap into their personal power. The first thing I, as soon as I get a client, um, I take them through what is called a superhero self-connection session um, where I put them into a sort of, it's an alpha wave state. So it's halfway through halfway to hypnosis so mm-hmm. um but all hypnosis is self-hypnosis nobody can do anything to you it's all you doing it to yourself um and where we go and visit their future selves so okay. we visit you in the future where you already have everything that you want you already have everything that you really really desire and you get to experience what that feels like so then when we work together you are always coming from this place of, yeah, it feels awesome to be here. Yeah. And so you're always being pulled by the vision, not pushed by the fear of not having anything. And what? when you are pulled by a vision, it's, it's so much easier and it's so much more joyful to get what you want. Just one quick story. So I was <clears throat> leaving my job at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. I was looking around. And one guy at that point told me, make sure that you're looking for the job that you want rather than to get away from one that you don't want. Yeah. And I didn't understand it, um, but it's exactly what you're talking about. What pulls you towards it rather than paying attention to what pushes you away? Yeah, yeah. I didn't get it, but um, I've learned in the past few years. So I, I can attest to how powerful uh, that, that difference is. Yeah, definitely. It's, it, it is, it is, I think it's, it's monumental. I think that difference, you know, um, so then with my clients as well, we just work out, okay, so what is the gap? How do we close this gap? What are the obstacles that you see? Um, and then I use a a varying, um, methodologies. So I use mindset coaching, uh, metaphysics Mm -hmm. and energy work to, um, remove all those obstacles you know, to navigate around those obstacles. So you always, always know that anything that you, you can think, anything that you think you want is there already, is waiting for you. You just have to get out of the way generally. Um, and so, yeah, I help you to do that. That's what my coaching does. I love that. I love that. That's also something that I've been hearing about recently and only recently started making sense to me. So many of these things for me in my journey, I would hear it, right? I would hear it for years and I'm like, oh, that's ridiculous, whatever. But at some point when a person becomes ready to hear it Mm -hmm. or the right teacher shows up or whatever it is, it suddenly makes sense. And, And the idea of everything is there, if you'll just stop stopping yourself, if you will get out of your own way, um, 
that that's so powerful and i love that that's what you teach your clients to do that's fantastic thank you all right so it it has been great talking to you and getting to know you um, and learning more about your journey and how you help people so um, in this last minute or so if you have um, any last words of wisdom and absolutely how can people get in touch with you uh, yeah, people can get in touch with me from my website, which is um, JanetMohappyBanksCoaching.com. Um, I guess you're going to put a link so I don't have Absolutely. to spell it out. But <laughs> 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 um, you can also find me on Facebook, Janet Mohappy Banks, and you can buy my book, um, Habits for Happiness, which really is like the starting point, I would say. Um, and you can buy that from Amazon. Um, last words is that I think it's really important that we that we all as individuals start embracing our, our personal power. We really do have the power to create anything that we want. Um, and our natural state is that of happiness and abundance. You know, we really can have it if we choose it and if we stop stopping ourselves from having it. Awesome. Thank you very much, Janet. Um, it has been fantastic talking to you. Oh, and thank you so I, much for having me. Absolutely. 